Kwai Chang Kane and John Shaft fight a giant flying lizard over New York City. Radio Drone. It is a Thursday night. I've said this 300 times now. This is the 300th episode of Radio Drone. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Peter Meh Gajic. If I'm not Meh, who the hell am I? Joining us this week, because he's become a, a regular, is Frederick Woohoo Fritz. <laughs> Although I fear it's more like coughing up a lung, Fritz, but hello. Now, Cecil, <laughs> Cecil would be here for the 300th episode, but literally about two hours before we were going to record this, he had a family medical emergency that he had to deal with, and real life comes first. So take the time he needs to deal with this. So Cecil was planned to be here, and he will be missed. But he is coming back hopefully next week, possibly the week after. That said... I don't have a segue, just go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, you'll get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free vibrating O-ring, I assume the O is for orgasm, and free U.S. shipping. Use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Don't forget we have a Patreon page now, so you can help us out there. It helps to fund the shows and whatnot, so if you want to, go there, please. Now that said, we're going to look a little bit tonight at us. Why we do what we do, why we love these kind of films, why we fell in love with exploitation and the various tenets of exploitation films. In general, why do you love the kind of films that you love? How did you get into this and what made you fall in love with it? 80s action and 80s horror was a gateway. Uh, watching a lot of um, Schwarzenegger and Stallone and like Peter Weller movies with my dad uh, growing up, like seeing seeing Terminator when I was like six or seven years old. Same with RoboCop. You know, then moved on to seeing Cronenberg, and you know, from there I saw more of Paul Verhoeven's movies. I saw more more movies by directors that were making these films, more James Cameron films. Then I, you know, slowly moved on to Roger Corman. I discovered his movies through through you know being a fan of Stallone. It's like, what is this weird uh, Death Race 2000 movie? I'll check this out. And then it was. All of it was a snowballing gateway into movies like the you know, Traumas, Toxic Avenger, and Sergeant Kabuki Man, and films like this. And then I would keep stumbling down the rabbit hole even further and finding other weird little movies and just enjoying them. And, and the reason being is because they're they're very different. It's it's not something you could just walk right into a, a movie theater and, and watch. It's it's something that you really have to discover and enjoy for yourself. And that's something I've really enjoyed about a lot of these movies and, and directors like uh, Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento and, and people like that is that they're making making um, very different films, not not exactly what you're going to find in the mainstream because they're a little bit kookier, they're a little more violent, a little more over the, the top. They're a bit more daring, and I've always enjoyed that about them. Well, when I was a lot younger, I guess you could say in a weird way I was a bit of a snob in that I only watched the A-list movies because I figured they were pretty much the only thing worth watching. You know, so I saw genre stuff, you know, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek, and even some Hammer stuff that used to show on Saturday Morning Creature Feature. But I never really ventured into the B stuff until I saw a trailer for a film called Trancers. I said, hey, I gotta see this thing. Watched it, fell madly in love with it. Anybody that knows me knows that's one of my favorite 
little B-movies. And it got me started down this path looking for other types of movies because similar to what Peter just said, I was like, wow, you you don't see some of this wackiness in A-list movies. You know, they tend to play it a little safer. The more of these films I began to see, they were a lot more fun. They took chances. They didn't take themselves completely serious. They were fun to share with people, too. Uh, I used to jokingly say that B-films became, like, my friends and I's our baseball cards because I didn't collect baseball cards. I wasn't into sports at all, but started like, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And then just as time went on, I found more and more about this stuff and saw the incredibly strange film show, probably around 88 or 89, I'm guessing on that. It talked about things I had seen, like Sam Raimi and the Evil Dead movies by that point. But it talked about all these other things and, like, talked about Jackie Chan, for instance. And that got me looking for some Jackie Chan movies, which at that time were not readily available in America. And I started going on quests to conventions. I used to go to uh, Chinese grocery stores literally go through their back room of VHSs and I had I learned what the symbols were for Jackie's name which was like in Chinese means dragon and Samu Hung and Yun Bio which those three you know kind of came up together and I started watching all their movies and movies with Chao Yun Fa anything I could get my hands on so it just was like a progression that it was not just the movies it was actually the hunt that became part of the fun we got cable in 1983 when I was eight years old but before that in the era Fred and I come from, Peter's a little bit younger, so they weren't doing this as much when Peter would have been at around the same age. The UHF channels. The UHF channels I had around here, they would buy... See, the way UHF packaging worked was you couldn't just buy the Harrison Ford movie. You couldn't just buy Star Wars. You couldn't just buy the, a 20th Century Fox movie or something to show on your local station. You had to buy a package. So to get the three or four movies you wanted, you also got about nine movies like The Soul Brothers of Kung Fu or Jennifer the Snake Goddess and things like that. The, these stations had these movies, and they would throw them on at 2, 3 in the morning or on Saturday afternoon. That's when I caught these things. Yeah, I was going to the mainstream films, but for some reason, I was drawn to these kind of movies. I was drawn to the the, the 3 a.m. showing of them, or the 1 a.m. showing of, like, Jennifer the Snake Goddess. And for some reason, these movies were more, were more fascinating to me than their much more cultured and much more well-made brethren from the studios. I don't know if that was like a, I'm not mainstream, so I love this kind of thing, or if it's just, these were really fun movies. And then when we got Cable, I don't remember the date, but I remember the night we got Cable. The guy hooked it up around 4 in the afternoon, and Beastmaster premiered on HBO that night. It was the it was the HBO premiere of Beastmaster, and I just fell in love with a movie like that. I don't know why my sensibilities always leaned that way. I always loved these kind of films. I, I think that's why I like to curate these things. I can't tell you how many times I have gotten mail about this show where people are like, I never knew about this director, this writer, this genre of film. I didn't know about some franchise that maybe died out in the 70s. We on this show have exposed so many people to things that they've never heard of before. That tells me it was all worth it in a stupid pop culture kind of way. I would say so, just because isn't that how we all sort of discover and, you know, because partially it's what we set out to seek or what we hear about on television. And then uh, the other part is other friends that are doing the same and they discovered something we didn't know about. 
Yeah, it's really cool that way because that's exactly how I would find out about it. It would be like I didn't have the um, the UHS UHF way of it. It was for me. It was the cable way of finding it. I would see it on channels like UPN. That's that's how I saw movies like. Uh, American Cyborg, Steel Warrior, and uh, American Ninja, and a lot of uh, movies with American in the in the first title. It would be American something, American Cyborg. This and ironic, that. ironic. And, you being you know in Canada. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty funny. Well, but it was an American station. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I saw movies like Troll Two for the first time on that, and just a lot of a lot of the more like lesser known. Uh, Chuck Norris films or movies like like lesser known Stallone films like Cobra and Over the Top, uh, a lot of slasher movies, which which obviously got me into the slasher genre as much as it did, as well as seeing a lot of the the lower budgeted ones. I would I would actually maybe attribute finding out randomly about films like Silent Night, Deadly Night to my love for slasher films more than Friday the Thirteenth would. I think uh, I, I don't know if I'm remembering it correctly, but I think I may have seen Silent Night, Deadly Night before I ever saw Friday the Thirteenth, and that may have been what got me into it and that was simply through somebody telling me about it and suggesting i should you know check it out but yeah i think it's really cool that we're able to share that with people because it's a similar way to find out about it which is how we did you know we would randomly hear about it through a friend or see it on tv or find it in like a catalog that you can order it from and just or just simply walking through through a video store and seeing a cool looking uh vhs cover and saying hey i think i'll check this out tonight this sounds like it could be fun and i think it's cool that we're kind of bringing that uh, back to people in that sort of weird pop culture way, as you put it. Well, and then also we can't discount magazines. Now, in the age of the Internet, getting all your information from a Fangoria or a Starlog or a Cinema Fantastique or something like that might seem quaint. That was how I discovered a lot of this stuff. I'd buy, because Fangoria would always have the larger movie on the cover. And then so you'd buy it for the Friday the 13th or, or you know, the whatever werewolf film or Dracula film or whatever was coming out. And then as you're going through, you'd read about all of these weird movies coming to cable, coming to video, or some older film that maybe you'd never heard of that happened to be playing at 3 a.m. on your local station three weeks from now or things like that. Magazines like Fangoria and Starlog helped helped me discover titles to seek out later. Like Fred said, it was it was somewhat of the hunt because a lot of these movies never lived up to their descriptions in Starlog or Fangoria, but the hunt was amazing. I know I wasn't the only one who would when the TV guide would come, you'd go through the entire TV guide and make notes about because you know VCRs were very expensive. These movies were run once or twice a year. Okay, Thursday night, I need to see if I can stay up late because at 2 a.m., Godzilla, King of the Monsters is on Channel 19. Okay, Friday morning, I need to get up at 5 a.m. before, you know, get up early for school that day because Count Dracula's Great Love is is on Channel 32. And was I the only one that would schedule my life around the movies instead of the other way around like it is today? I know I did that quite a bit, and I had lots of friends that we would do stuff like that, you know, and if we could somehow plan it to get together, have a friend come over and stay the night or I'd stay over their place and we'd get permission to, you know, set the alarm and wake up as long as we went to bed, which, you know, we rarely slept <laughs> until the thing came on. But, oh, yeah, I did that a lot. I'd already seen Return of the Living Dead on HBO and a friend of I saw it with a friend of mine and then it was on going to be on like at 3 a.m. on probably I think it was like drive-in theater or something like that with Joe Bob and my friend was going to come over and he was late. He just barged in my door and missed the beginning of the movie and his first words were, she naked yet? 
<laughs> and that's what it was like. You got pissed off because there was no rewinding. There was no on-demand. Scheduled your life around these movies. And I know how lame that sounds, but to a movie lover, almost made them... This sounds so bad. It made them more special. Like Fred said, the hunt made the the end worth it. I mean, if I had to do that, I would have. I grew up when pretty much everybody owned a, a VCR and had VHSs. So if, if I wanted to watch something that was on too late or that I couldn't really schedule my life around, I would I would make sure to have it recorded or I would rent it. So I I didn't have the uh I never had the opportunity to really schedule my life around seeing a movie, but, uh, I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, that was, that was the technology at the time. If a movie was scheduled to, to air and you, you weren't able to record it and it was very early or late at night, you would have to, to stay up or get up early to see it. That or just don't see it. And uh, I don't, I think, uh, speaking as, as a film fan, especially of those kind of movies, you know, watching Godzilla King of the Monsters or Return of the Living Dead or something, if I had to, at that time, I, if it was like the only way to see it because nowadays you could just go out get whatever you want buy it online download it stream it whatever back then you did you had to go buy the movie schedule whether you're seeing it uh, theatrically or you're seeing it on tv so no i don't think it's crazy at all i remember once i was invited to a party in 1984 there's some people i didn't really like and i was like uh there's a new misfits of science on tonight i think i'm staying home <laughs> people are going to call me pathetic for that but you know what i don't regret it it was, a really, it was a really good Misfits of Science episode, okay? <laughs> yeah, and also in our generation, HBO was real big. And I remember one of the things about HBO was they had a policy where they showed no R-rated movies before 9 o'clock. And so if you wanted to see anything like we're talking about, generally of a genre exploitation, you were waiting until probably 2, 3 in the morning because 9 o'clock till, you know, roughly 1, they'd be showing probably two mainstream rated R movies, you know, you'd see like the Excalibur, you know, or which they back then they also had that thing where they made a PG version and an R rated version of movies too. So they could show like the PG Excalibur and then the R rated Excalibur after nine. Uh, so a lot of the stuff I would have to see would be around two, three in the morning on HBO. Well, and then you also have the fact that when, when video came in, you could, and I'm not talking about pre-recorded video, but VCRs, recording something, setting a timer for 3 a.m. so you didn't have to get up and you could just watch it when you got home from school the next day. That was, that was so liberating, wasn't it? I can watch this movie when I want to, not when HBO decides they want me to watch it. It gave you a weird <laughs> sense of power, didn't it? Absolutely. And I totally agree with the, uh, like, I've had that happen to me too, getting invited out and preferring to stay home and, and see a, a movie or a TV show, uh, particularly a movie for me. I think I was about, it's about 15 at the time and the house, three, three or four houses over from mine, this chick invited me over, uh, to have like a house party at that, that, at her parents' place, no other parents were out on vacation or whatever, and I was like, I don't know, you know, I just rented uh, Friday the 13th Part 4, and I want to watch it for the first time. And I, I said that without missing a beat, and I still remember her reaction. She was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, see you, see you around. She more than likely had a 
she probably had like a crush on me or something and I, I don't know. I didn't care. I wanted to, nobody, the thing is nobody really wanted to watch these kind of movies with me at the time. I didn't have any friends that were into horror. So I, I much preferred to go and watch this movie I hadn't seen yet rather than go like, hang out with people and talk about high school bullshit. Like, I would much rather watch Jason Voorhees impale some guy by the wee-wee with a fucking harpoon gun. And, and see, I had one, I remember Hellraiser. It was not out on video yet, because see, at this point in time that we're talking about, HBO was so big, that it's stuff debuted on HBO before it came to home video. So I remember the night Hellraiser was going to premiere, it was Saturday night. My dad had worked in construction and stuff, and he helped build this one restaurant, and it was the grand opening. My mom made me go to the grand opening, and I'm like, Ma, I want to watch Hellraiser. And she was like, no, and she and they were taping something, so we only had one VCR, and I couldn't tape it. I was so pissed I missed the HBO premiere oh. of Hellraiser because I had to go to a fucking restaurant opening. As a 13-year-old kid, that bugged me, man. It's Hellraiser, goddammit. Like, they should have understand it. That's like... It's, it's considered at this point one of the most like amazing horror films ever. Like, fuck a restaurant opening. Well, I I already told because you were talking about when we were kids. I I find that I'm still kind of in this predicament. The last Phantasm is coming out within the next few days, and it's going to be at certain theaters on October seventh. Uh, it'll also be simulcast on VOD, which that's what I'll be doing because I live in this small town. I can't get a single soul to watch it with me and it's like it's so weird because even though i don't know this one's you know that's another discussion this one's not looking so hot if you've seen the trailers but it doesn't matter to me because phantasm was a series i grew up with and it's a very special series to me this is Mm -hmm. the final one i mean there's no other series in my generation that's like that like you know the original cast and we're actually going to have an ending and We're actually going to do a, a retrospective it, on this show before, probably before Christmas. Oh, well, I want in because Phantasm... I already it, asked you and you already is, said yes. <laughs> you already in. Oh, I'm, I'm sick tonight, so I don't remember anything. It's a, That's the NyQuil, man. I'm free-based, <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm free-based I'm, I'm, in the NyQuil. Okay, so. I'm, I'm giving you a double dumbass on you for that one. Okay, I'll take it. I'm still going through it, and the story, I think I told you, I, th- I said it in passing about being with the doctors and watching Reanimator. Yep. I don't know if I told what happened. I was invited, My a good friend of mine is a is a doctor, and he's the one that kind of got me into the more hardcore horror movies. I watched Dawn of the Dead with him, uh, the reanimator back in the day, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and stuff like that. I never watched those. And he got me to watch those. Well, he had a party at his place. He was going to play, it was a Halloween party, and he was going to play two movies, and one of them was reanimator. Reanimator. So we get over there, my friend and I, Ken, we go over there, he starts the movie, and this place is just loaded with doctors. All right, these guys are all doctors. And they're all drinking a fit, right? And none of them give two cents about Reanimator. And there is myself, Ken, and one other guy sitting at the TV watching Reanimator. Everybody else is partying, getting plastered, getting drunk. We're just sitting there laughing our tails off at Reanimator. Joe told me later on that some people are like, what's with those guys? They're real party poopers. <laughs> I was like, don't invite them again because <laughs> we're watching the movie. Like, you mentioned all the people partying, getting plastered and stuff. You guys are just, like, watching the movie. The thing is, like, I would be getting plastered and drinking, but would be watching the movie at the same time. Like, I don't know. I guess that's just – that's how I I like to party. Like, if I'm – 
if I'm at somebody like that, I consider that to be more of a party than anything. Like, I don't understand how people can just stand around and drink. Like, I, I want to watch something. I want to listen to something. I don't see the point of just like, okay, I'm going to drink. Okay, what do you want to do? Let's go talk in the kitchen. No, let's watch Reanimator. That sounds way better. Well, they were all standing around talking about themselves, their lives, where they had summered. It's pretty much exactly what you would imagine. That's so boring. How did you guys get into the video store? Did Did you guys just start looking for the weirder movies or was it you know maybe they were they all of Pritzi's honor was rented out so you had to get the visitor or something because like for me one of the reasons you know I, I we had cable so I was watching all these movies and we had the UHF stations but people might not remember this but instead of video stores our, our town had a, had like three video stores but do you guys remember the era where grocery stores would have video rental sections? Oh yeah, um, of course. Well, my mom worked at this at a at a grocery store that had a pretty big section. I mean, there were probably a thousand different tapes there at any given time. One of the perks that you got as an employee, we only lived two blocks away, so it was easy walking distance. One of the perks that the employees got was two free movie rental coupons every day. Well, one of her co-workers didn't have a vcr so she would give her two free rental coupons every day to my mom so that's four rental coupons every day my dad and my mom were both working it's summer my brother and i are off of school we rented four movies every day from this place we we were we were renting stuff where it's like well we've seen that i don't even know what this movie is but we'll rent it just because we haven't seen it yet i probably saw more movies than the rest of my life collected so that, that's kind of how I found some of this stuff was I've rented everything else. Let's see what this is like. The apartment complex I lived in when I was a kid, we had uh, a grocery store connected to it, like just at the, the bottom, not necessarily in the lobby, but right as you left the building, it would sort of be connected to the same structure. And it was like a little mom and pop video store. And it had its own mom and pop video store, like a mom and pop grocery store. But they had, um, just like you were saying, grocery stores with, with like a video rental service. I saw a lot of movies that way. Um, I remember the first time I ever saw Lawnmower Man and Brain Scan. Uh, was through through that little video store, and I picked up a lot of a lot of little um like more smaller based uh, horror movies like the the B B to Z grade stuff like I saw like Carnosaur for the first time um and other like small little slash movies like that one was really fun because it, it was great for when I was too lazy to go to go to Rogers or Blockbuster or some other place or, or another video store um across town so that was one of my first uh, experiences with just getting to as soon as i left the house there it was guyver 2 i saw for the first time i believe at that video store as well like tons of they i don't know where they were getting these movies from and it was so cool that they had all these like lesser known ones and i and i managed to to get to see so many of them because of that place we had video usa uh we had mike's video rental which was just a a drugstore with a very small video section in there we had always a fifth one somewhere else in other words they would pop up and then die within a few months what we tended to do was we tended to do a hunt because we couldn't watch movies every day of the week even though we wanted to and we tried to as much as possible we would wait for the weekend and very early on the stores introduced a lot of them had that three for three days rent three movies get them for three days and so we would get them on friday like a lot of people or thursday because we would try to beat the uh, the crowds on Friday. So we would go and hit all the stores. We would do a run. We would get in somebody's car and do a run. Generally somebody's brother. We couldn't drive when we were that young. 
we would go hit all the stores, even on our bikes. I remember we did that on our bikes, carrying bags of movies. No joke. We would blow our brains out all weekend on on movies. And so, yeah, if you can't find the bigger titles, because we were still very aware of the bigger titles. It was, again, there was no net. Uh, so you had to go by either word of mouth or by say, hey, I know that actor. He tends to be in good stuff. And so you take a lot of risks. Early on, I learned the name Albert Pune. So I was like, oh, I've got to check this movie out. It's by that also, uh, Sword and the Sorcerer. Also, one of the things that they loved to do in this era was, if especially if it's a crappy movie like Curse of the Cannibal Confederates or something like that, or or, or that uh, Mad Dog or, or, or whatever it was, that, that Alice Cooper Italian one that even he doesn't think is a good movie. Monster Dog. Monster, Monster Dog. Dog, that's it. <laughs> they they would put no photos on the back and they'd have artwork for the cover and you didn't know what crap you were renting. You're like, that looks cool. Alice Cooper's in a horror? Awesome. And then you're like, wow, this is awful. So a lot of times, <laughs> you know, like nowadays, you've got so many movie reviews and all this. We went into these things blind most of the time. It was it was a good, albeit very deceptive cover. No photos on the back and a very, very carefully worded plot synopsis on the back. And we would rent them because why not? That's what's kind of missing in this whole Netflix era. I know I'm an old man yelling at the cloud or Netflix, but going through the Netflix queue is not the same thing as walking down the shelves of the old VHS video store and going and looking at the boxes. And, and you could always tell which, which ones were rented a whole bunch of times based on how beat up the box was. So you would always be able to tell like, wow, this movie's probably not very good considering it's just covered in dust and it looks like, and the, you know, the, the box still creaks when you open it. You're like, yeah, this one <laughs> probably doesn't rent too much. And then another thing that, that you lose is in the days before the internet with porn, I don't know if this was just my video store, but if there was a scene in like the Terminator where, with, with like the love scene, there were always full of tape hits. Like that scene had been played a whole bunch more than the rest of the movie was. <laughs> the sex scenes tended to have lots of tape hits on them because those were paused a whole lot. Between cable, UHF television, and VHS, we are ilk. We became kind of the outsiders because I, I, rem I remember in the early days of Entertainment Weekly when they would try and talk about, you know, like maybe someone who started in like, you know, a lower echelon movie or, or a Charles Band movie or something like that would become really famous. They would always just kind of show their ignorance and it was clear that the writer had no idea what Parasite was when they're talking about Demi Moore being in this movie or things like that. I don't know if that made us outsiders or made our knowledge even more valuable because we knew the mainstream stuff and the not mainstream stuff. Or is that just us trying to find a place? I guess it shows that we do have more knowledge than the people actually trying to promote the movie because a lot of the time when you have those kind of films, when it has, uh, it happens to be like the debut of an A-list uh, actor or like one of their first movies or their like second movie or whatever. I actually have a, a pretty good example of this. It's a, it's a movie my girlfriend and I watched pretty recently. It's called Brotherhood of Justice. Keanu Reeves and Keanu Keith Reeves. Sutherland. It promotes Keith Sutherland as a bigger star than Keanu Reeves in the film. He's in it for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. at the time that was made, Keanu was nobody. Yeah. Kiefer was the bigger star at the time, so they they promoted the shit out of him on like the the synopsis for the film and stuff. Like Kiefer Sutherland takes charge against uh, Keanu Reeves's uh, band of ultimate vigilantes, and the movie sucks ass. Like 
Mrs. Voorhees white turtleneck sweater just walking around but and being goofy Peter, as shit. Peter, to be fair to the movie, it's not actually a movie. It was a it was a pilot that wasn't picked up, which is probably oh God, why yeah. there's all those plot threads left at the end, and it feels very loose because it was a pilot. Yeah, pretty. You much, also noticed they... there was no swearing or anything because oh, of the yeah. pilot. Well, and of course, they tried to remarket it, you know, with all the star power that Keanu and Keeper had uh, years after. They tried to sell it as an actual movie. Then you watch it, and yeah, it dawns on you pretty quick. This was this was meant to be like a, a very very soft laced uh, TV show with with some edgy concepts, but it's like on paper, it sounds so much better than what it really was. Uh, I think it's it's that's common with anything. I mean, you listen to people that talk sports, and I don't know what. So <laughs> for us, it's it's movies, and you gain a, a certain amount of knowledge just through osmosis. You you pick things up. Uh, after a while, you can know about a lot of films you've never seen, especially today, which is kind of a problem, you know, a blessing and a curse type of thing. But it's just something you pick up. I guess for some people, there's a there's a certain amount of pride in it. Uh, again, I, I've seen people do this with lots of things, from mechanics to sports, and they'll just bandy those names around with a big old grin on their face and a beer in their hand, you know? And <laughs> why should film lovers be any different? Do you think that we have a, a weird reputation within the mainstream? Like, I, I told this story before when it actually happened, but, like, I was going through a Goodwill, and, you know, most of the DVDs are all 99 cents. Most of the DVDs are, you know, mainstream crap. And I found Troma's Demented Death Farm Massacre. And when I brought it up to the lady, she, like, rolled her eyes when I brought this movie up. And it's like, you wouldn't have done that if I if I had brought up, you know, a Clint Eastwood movie or something. Who the fuck are you to look down on me for wanting, for really being excited about finding Demented Death Farm Massacre for a buck? Do we still suffer from the mainstream being the mainstream and not understanding. I get a lot of people that are like, why do you like those movies? Cause they're awesome. It's, it's changing. Uh, we just, I, I think it was on here. I brought up about seeing the Ash versus evil dead poster at Walmart. It's definitely changed to a certain degree, but I would still say we're definitely considered the weirder ones. It's it's par for the course. I'm not particularly worried about it. I've never paid too much attention. I've only had a couple instances where, like, when I was at a Best Buy and everybody was there, it was literally a line around the block. The DVD release of Scarface, everybody was coming up with their copy of Scarface, and the same day came out Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, which is what I was buying. <laughs> you know what? I like Scarface, but Attack is a better movie. Uh, it was the special edition box. I had to get it. Like, I wasn't just buying the movie. I was buying the special edition box for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I think that's the weirdest look I ever really got. I don't think it's as segregated as it used to be. I mean, it, I used to be called like a skid, uh, you know, loser, faggot, all this stuff because I enjoyed watching uh, slasher films and obscure action movies and stuff like that. Like I'd, I'd get, I'd get picked on a lot probably through like grades five through 10 to 11. And then I've, I noticed a change. Movies like this began to become popular. You know, I, I think I would probably pinpoint it by Grindhouse. It was when uh, Grindhouse came out that people started to notice more of the, the style, I would say, of these kinds of movies, not the movies themselves. And the hobo with a shotgun comes out. And then you're having a conversation with somebody. They ask you what kind of movies you're into. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm into exploitation. I'm into, like, sort of splatter films and stuff like that. They're like, oh, yeah, like hobo with a shotgun? No, not at all. That's that's not even one. That's, that's, 
that's homage. That's like homage exploitation. Okay, that's not an actual exploitation film. It's meant to look like one. Um, yes. So it's it's kind of a weird uh, generation at this point where it's like people say that they're into it, but then you actually drop a real one on them. Like like oh yeah, you seen Creep Show? And they're like, F- is Creep Show? And I'm like, good fucking god. It's like look, if you want to be into them, watch them. You don't have to just watch what Tarantino and Rodriguez are fucking putting out. Or, or Manborg or any of these other lame ones. And there are filmmakers that are making ones that are more true to real, uh, exploitation or direct-to-video movies. Turbo like, Kid was Turbo awesome. Kid. Turbo Kid is fantastic. That's a fantastic one. Turbo Kid's great. A lot of the, um, uh, Scott Atkins movies that are coming out, like, uh, Hard Target 2 was a lot of fun. Or the Undisputed films. Some of these are still really staying true to the direct-to-video, smaller-budgeted films. But when it comes to stuff like Father's Day, Manborg, Hobo with a Shotgun, this is what people perceive uh, the 80s were. Really, in my opinion, mean-spirited. Because a lot of it is just like, oh, ha-ha, look, look at that dumb lighting. Ha-ha, synthy computer music and uh, cheesy acting. Like, go, go f- yourself like this is this is a joke this is nothing like what these movies were like and and people are watching them thinking like oh yeah the 80s man so cool it's like you're a schmuck well see i call this the tarantino effect and this isn't his fault but it's something he ushered in he made it okay to like these kind of movies for instance sonny chiba plays a key role in the kill bill films Mm -hmm. i i literally worked with people to be the kind of per- person who would see the Street Fighter or the Bodyguard or something like that on, you know, a dollar DVD and they'd be like, oh, crap. After Chiba is in a Tarantino movie, they're like, oh my god, Sonny Chiba is so awesome. I just watched the Street Fighter. When Tarantino references something in one of his movies, it somehow makes it okay for the mainstream to like it now. I call that the Tarantino. He's like, uh, he's like cracked. Like everybody that, uh, a lot of, um, cracked articles I'm seeing shared around are, they're spotlighting obscure movies and then all of a sudden everybody's a fan of that movie. They're like, oh yeah, I remember this one. No, you don't. You isn't absolutely it funny, don't. Peter, isn't it funny how when cracked spotlights an obscure movie, it's one we just talked about a month earlier? Isn't that weird? Oh, I know. <laughs> Very strange. God, I'm really And how they to... do that on a regular basis. It's almost <laughs> like they use this show as an idea farm and don't give us any credit. Hmm. <laughs> Look, this this has been going on for years and years and years, and it's it's all right. Uh it, you'll get those that come out uh genuine lovers of these movies, and then you'll get those that'll exploit it in any way they can, correct? It's it's really a joy. Uh, for a, for lack of a better way of wording it, when somebody comes out a real fan. And maybe I'm just that guy that looks a little bit more on the positive, but that's sort of how I look at it. Uh, I have a young friend. She's just discovering stuff. She was very much into that nostalgia critic and those guys. And I kept, and she kept acting like she, not acting, that's the wrong word, but she, she would talk as if she had seen all these movies these people were talking about, Brad Jones and uh, Doug Walker and all of them. And I said, did you actually see them or did you see the review? And it was, I've seen the review, I've seen the review. I've seen, you've got to see these movies. And so I started sending her copies of these films. And recently she's gone into a genre she would have never, ever touched because she doesn't like scarier movies. Since she's seen Angel, Dirty Harry, and Vice Squad, and she loved them. 
Are you talking about are you talking about Angel the the hooker by day yes. or ho, 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 uh, student by day hooker by night the yes. Roger Corman ones? One of my favorite <laughs> movies. Those were those great. are awesome movies because I yeah. wanted her to see that there was a difference between what they're calling the gritty street films of today, which as Peter already pointed out. They're really heartless and mean-spirited. They don't have a soul. You watch a film like Angel, for instance, and there are so many wonderful little nuggets throughout that whole film. And there's all these characters throughout the movie you love and you care about them. And when they die, it means something. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. And it's (laughs) like, this is the thing I try to tell younger people. Like, you don't understand. All you've heard about is that short period with, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and those guys and when they had the big and it was fun I'm not putting it down Hmm. but it was this you know mindless muscle action movies basically there's more to it than that of course we know that here we just don't have enough time to go into a whole discussion on it this is what people keep talking about when they talk about the 80s it's it's the muscle bound guys that never get shot you know they have their mullets and all and that's all you ever hear about it's like you don't know squat about films of that era. That's what mm. that tells me. It's like you only know what you've heard regurgitated time and time again from these people. You have like the Cliff Notes version. Whereas if you talk to somebody, maybe they're not as knowledgeable, but everything they speak on, they're speaking with truth. They've seen these movies and you go, oh, you really love movies, don't you? And here, let me introduce you to this one and to that one. That's the moments I personally kind of live for. I like those people that seek movies out. That's why during the whole reviewer verse thing, I was drawn to guys like Pitar and Cecil in the first place because they were more like me. They were film lovers. You have to have a love of cinema, I think, to truly you know, make these claims that they make over and over. And I'm just tired of that. And that's why, personally, I seek out the film lovers, and they are out there. That's the great news. And it seems like we're getting yeah. a generation of younger filmmakers. They're starting to make movies. Those manboard types, they're fading away. And we seem yeah. to be getting a new generation coming up saying, you know what, I really do love movies. I really do miss what used to be a little bit, mm-hmm. which is just storytelling. It's not that the 80s was the mecca. It was just there was so much of it. And yeah. that's why it's so wonderful. It's just this goldmine, people who are younger that can go back and just start digging and they can hit all these great movies. But it can yeah. happen again, and it seems like it is. And thankfully, maybe we're finally leaving the darkness behind on this. Maybe. I really think so. I agree, because you have movies that are coming out, like uh, really fantastic ones, like Cold in July, Blue Ruin, It Follows, The Duke. these movies that really, to me, embody what a lot of really great action movies in the 80s were, or a lot of, like, really good slow burn horror movies were. Like, It Follows, to me, feels like an earlier James Cameron films. Like, it, it almost in a way feels like Terminator. Like, it has that kind of, that that creepy, stocky kind of feel to it. Well, uh, like, You know what? Honestly, with It Follows, I got more of a really early John Carpenter vibe. Actually, yes, that's, uh, did I say James Cameron? Yes. I meant to say, yeah, Carpenter. Like you get because kind of, because uh, I, I'm like I didn't see a lot of Cameron. I got a really like late yeah. '70s Carpenter vibe. Batar, you poser. really like? Uh, yeah, you, you don't up. know shit, man. You suck. <laughs> I was gonna say like, uh, yeah, you you get that uh, that vibe with it, and it's so it's so cool to see that because that to me is more like what 
horror movies were back then. They weren't like, yeah, you did have the splatter fests and whatnot, but a lot of them were these really cool, drawn out, slow burns that really built up the, the momentum and built up the, the fear and the terror delivered. And, and movies like that really do deliver on it. And I think people should, should be paying attention more to movies like that and ignoring the, the machetes and the manborgs and the hobo with the shotguns because they're, they're mean spirited. They're, they're laughing more at the 80s, not with the 80s. Now, we need to be fair here. We're not saying all of these movies we grew up with were great. I mean, objectively, Ninja 3 The Domination is a piece of shit. But <laughs> you it's don't also know what you're talking the, about. It's also one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Pick on so, Ninja 3. Don't you pick on it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is... I don't want people saying like you guys don't you guys are living in your own heads. No. I understand it. It's because we grew up with it. That was going to be my next question. What about the next generation? Again, going from all of the mail I get. But these are people who really listen. And these are people a lot of them are, you know, in their early 20s or sometimes even still teenagers and they have a love for these movies that are way beyond their generation. And they're finding out that it, you didn't have to grow up with these things to like it. What would you say is the quintessential fantasy movie that you would want to introduce people to? In this audience, in this culture, you would say, if you've not seen this fantasy film, you need to. There's a couple that come to my mind right off the... Well, there's jeepers now. They're, I'm flooding now. But I would say Dragon Slayer, uh, Sword and the Sorcerer, and Conan the Barbarian are the three that I would name as must-sees. Well, obviously Conan. Uh, to me, that's just, it's a classic. I mean, it, it doesn't follow the, the comic or the, the book, or the books as well as it could, but it's just such an epic film. The, the soundtrack, the, the action, the, the brutality of it is just awesome. Probably go with Krull for the second one, cause that's just, Krull's just fun. Krull every is- kid, Every kid, every kid in the 80s wanted a freaking glaive. Yeah, and a great score yeah. again, by the way. Indeed. Uh, Kroll is just, just mindless, awesome fun. And the third one I'm gonna go with a bit more of a, of a weird one, weird pick, is if you just wanna see a really sleazy take on the whole, the D&D style of, of film would be Lucio Fulci's Conquest. Cause that's, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's yeah. just, it's so, it's so violent, uh, a character gets gangrene, there's the, there's like the evil, metal face witch character that's like always naked uh there's zombies in it of course and the dude's got a freaking bow and arrow that shoots like laser arrows and shit. like it's just such an awesome weird sleazy movie so those would those would be my three picks fantasy film i would want to recommend to people is going to be a really off kilter one prisoners of the lost universe with richard hatch and john saxon that's fun I mean, that's an amazing one with the, the gun that shoots the giant peas and the guy, and, and, and then there's that lava that just makes people explode. I mean, <laughs> where else are you going to see a cable repairman in a fantasy world rappelling down the side of a mountain with coaxial cable to, to fight little demons with, with, with googly tiger eyes? <laughs> so I, I got to go John Saxon and Richard Hatch in Prisoners of the Lost Universe. But like, okay, then for a science fiction movie, what do you guys go for? Do you go for, for the more cerebral sci-fi or, or the more Star Wars blowy shit uppy kind of sci-fi? Like, if it, to, to recommend a sci-fi movie, a, a, you know, a more obscure one that you maybe want to introduce our audience to. Alright, well this is a little unfair. I'd almost want time to, to really think about this because that was my first love was science fiction. 
that was always my first love. And there's so many. I like the cerebral, so something more akin to Blade Runner is a passion of mine. I love those kind of movies. Uh, I love time travel and twisty you know, tales that mess with your head a little bit. But I also like fun. Trancers isn't deep. It's fun. Obviously, if you haven't figured it out, I'd say if you want a good time, go check out Trancers. The first Trancers is a lot of fun. A movie that a lot of people haven't seen that's just come available on Blu-ray that might be a good watch is Millennium. The 1989 one. Yes, it's actually uh, one of those smaller films dealing with time travel that's, yeah, it's hokey, but it's got a good premise. Uh, It's a clever little movie. It's a lot of fun. Definitely overlooked. Uh, As far as other ones, my gosh, the list could go on and on. I mean, one of my favorite movies ever is is Videodrome. I think that's an awesome, weird, like, subversive science fiction movie. That and uh, The Fly. But I also really love more action-based stuff, like Albert Pune's Nemesis is one of my favorite movies of just all time. Uh, so those would be two that I would suggest. And also, it's a, it's a lesser-known one, and it's a total Terminator knockoff, but it's uh, Hands of Steel starring Daniel Green, who was basically J- the, John Saxon again. And John Saxon again, yes, with his giant laser gun. That one is is a lot of weird fun. It, it covers... George, uh, e- George Eastman as a rattlesnake arm wrestler. Raul Morales is the strongest. Just, it's fantastic. That is one of my, not only one of my favorite science fiction movies, but probably my go-to uh, exploitation movie to begin with. So I'd probably go as, as far as like lesser known ones. Let's, uh, maybe not so much... Videodrome, I think more and more people are fine. Go with the scanners, nemesis, and hands of steel. Those, if you want to see some, some lesser known sci-fi stuff, uh, I'd go with those. Those are just all, all three are, you got a little bit of the cerebral, you got some of the cool, like cyberpunk, you know, action, weird, subversive kind of stuff that nemesis is. And then he just got straight up fun with hands of steel. Like there's, there's not, not a single boring moment to be had in that movie. It's just, it's a laugh riot. It's it's a goof and a gaff, and it's action packed, hilarious, and just fun. See, I'd have to go with Richard Stanley's Hardware. Star Crash is one of the most fun Star Wars knockoffs I've ever seen. Roger Corman's Battle Beyond the Stars or Galaxy of Terror. I, I gotta say, uh, there was a recent movie that just came out this year called Synchronicity that just blew me away as one of the smartest, most clever sci-fi time travel movies I'd ever seen. I would also say the new movie Zoom, the film starring Allison Pill and Tyler LeBain, is just see that super, that looks really clever. good. It's, that looks it's really way good. more clever. The trailer was good, but the trailer doesn't even touch on a half of the elements of the movie because it would just get. There's no way they could advertise those without giving them away. But then now we got to move on to horror. What more obscure horror films? They can be a slasher movie. They can be more an atmospheric horror, more an ethereal horror, gothic, whatever. Throw out a couple of more obscure horror movies you want to turn our audience on to. Well, okay, this is actually a little easier because there's a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, Cue the Winged Serpent is oh my been, god so good I, I love that movie so much it's funny again good writing uh larry cohen i'll tell you what if you check out a lot of larry cohen's early work you'll find that you're going to be pleasantly surprised more often than not films from that to the stuff uh even a movie like the ambulance is fun for being cheeseball and it's not really a horror movie but it's it's fun it's cheesy fun i can get people to watch q just by saying this Kwai Chang Kane and John Shaft fight a giant flying lizard over New York City. 
it, it's just a fun movie. It's just so much fun. So I really recommend that. I love, and I don't know, I noticed it gets a little mixed reaction, but Chud. I adore Chud. Okay, let's go for a splatter flick. Let's go for a more, like, weird one. And let's go for something completely different. I'll start with uh, Dario Argento's Deep Bread. You know, I honestly, I always go on about Suspiria. I always go on about, uh, you know, Inferno and stuff like that. But uh, Deep Red is one of his earlier movies. It's very atmospheric. Uh, there's a lot of really cool moments in that one. It's 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 creepy. It's it's one of the more arty ones, I guess. I'll uh, I'll spotlight. Let's jump right into slashers. Uh, and and I'll go for a more, more of a fun fun one, I guess. But I would go for lesser known one starring Lyle Alzado as the serial killer in the film Destroyer which uh, takes place in a prison where his character was executed in, and they're making a women-in-prison film within that prison, and then he shows up and starts Norman killing everybody. Norman Bates is the director of the film within Norm- the film, by the way. And yes, yes. We have Anthony Perkins as the director of the film within the film. It's a lot of fun. It might. It's it's easily one of my favorite, like lesser known, non Friday the Thirteenth, non Halloween. Well, that's because Lyle Alzado is your dad, isn't it? I think he might be. Um, he's probably my <laughs> real biological father. But that one is just. It's not. It's not super violent, but it's it's a lot of fun. There are some inventive moments in it. The the jackhammer kill is just absolutely hilarious. And another one I'd really like to highlight, and I'm trying to trying to think of of one because we got a we got a slasher. Uh, we got more of like a cerebral weird one, and I want to go for one that's a little more action based and kind of kind of out there and balls to the wall. And I'd have to go with Near Dark. That's one I'd really like more, a lot more people to check out. Near Dark, Near Near Dark is fan such a cast, like pretty much all of the the best of the best of aliens, vampires that are like outlaws, uh, that are that are like migrating from town to town, feeding and and moving forward, and and you just got. So many great moments, such a such an awesome atmosphere. Like to me, it's one of those uh, quintessential movies that that to me, if you ask me, Peter, why do you love the '80s? Near Dark, Near Dark would be a good reason because that movie fucking kicks ass. I, I second Near Dark and Deep Red, by the way. See, if I had to go Argento, I, I'd have to go Phenomena slash Creepers. Do 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 do. Nothing against Deep Red. I, I I love Phenomena Creepers. That's that's easily my my favorite Argento. I was almost gonna gonna mention that one, but I don't know. I feel like there there are elements of creepers that are I don't know if it's if if every version of like is like this, but like the weird use of heavy metal that shows up out of nowhere, like Iron the ran- how it's random. Yeah, it'll just come out of nowhere. Like one scene that always makes me laugh is when uh, Donald Pleasance is being uh, wheeled away on a gurney into the ambulance. Motorhead comes on. Not just Motorhead, but fucking locomotive. What locomotive? Yeah. This guy's not going anywhere. He's dead. Like, it's just like, I'm a locomotive! And he's being, like, wheeled <laughs> into an ambulance. It's the funniest juxtaposition I've ever seen. I love it. I, I rewind that scene maybe four or five times every time I see the movie because I'm just dying of laughter. And see, uh, I always like in that movie where every time she uses her powers and all of a sudden the wind machine comes on, she gets backlit. And I just expect <laughs> Total Eclipse of the Heart to start playing at any moment, you know? <laughs> For horror films, I- I'm going to go with Phenomena Creepers. There are also so many, so many great like Empire movies and you know earlier Full Moon movies, and you've you've got you know some of the Corman flicks. There, there's just way too many to list because there are just so many good horror films out there are tragically overlooked. Like like anything AIP put out. This is after the the Nicholson era. Anything AIP put out in the mid to late 80s when they would put out 
anything. All of those movies are great for not being so great. None of them I could say, yes, this is a well-made movie. Damn, did I not enjoy the hell out of those. But then we got to end the night on action movies. What would be some action movies you want to recommend to the audience? Uh, Pitar knows of one that's kind of a combination of every movie we just mentioned. Uh, Dead Heat. He just discovered it not too yeah. long ago. Great film. Lots of fun. It's got action. Well, it's got everything. It literally has everything. That's not a It joke. does. Mean Guns. Albert Pune's Mean Guns. This movie yes. needs to be seen. It's freaking hysterical. It's got action. It's funny. It's got really neat characters. And I think it may be one of Pune's best movies. He still touts it as the one movie where he got to be unfettered by other people's opinions. And I think you can kind of see it. It has a lot of love put in. So See, okay, I, I don't have any distaste for Mean Guns, but if we're talking Pune... I gotta go Radioactive Dreams. I think that's a given. But that's not what, it's not really an action movie per se. At least I wouldn't classify it as that. It's got uh, a lot of chase scenes and gunfights in it, so kinda. I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird quirky movie that I would also highly recommend. It's, it's on my top three of Pune's movies, so I, definitely. You know what? I have never, uh, I have never seen George Kennedy more badass than in Radioactive Dreams. He is a badass with that fucking grenade launching shotgun he's got after he takes the lizard mask off. Yeah, he's not <laughs> in it much, but yeah, he he definitely uh puts up a fight. And the other film I just thought of is uh Gunman, which ironically when I found Mean Guns I was wondering if it was a sequel <laughs> to Gunman because it has Christopher Lambert in it. But Gunman's this great underrated movie that seriously next to nobody knows about. I don't even think it has a DVD release. It might, but they still haven't released a widescreen. And that's a shame because I keep hearing people talking about Patrick Stewart going all vulgar in the green room. And years before that decade, at least, uh, he did Gunman and he is a crass, foul mouth mobster. And this movie is so much fun. Mario Von Peebles, Christopher Lambert, Patrick Stewart, Dennis Leary, Bendra, uh, Bak is it Baku? I think is how you pronounce it. You've got to see it. Highly recommend those two. Okay, I'm gonna go. I've got three, three already ready here. Let's see. Let's go with a post-apocalyptic one. Let's go with some balls to the wall action. Let's go with a vigilante. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with, uh, let's start with post-apocalyptic. We'll go with Enzo G. Castellari's Bronx Warriors, which is an awesome combination of the Warriors and Escape from New York with, uh, Mark Gregory, who you probably well, if you're listening to the show, you probably know him as Thunder Warrior. If you don't know him as Thunder Warrior, uh, that's, uh, let's, let's go with a double bill. Uh, I wasn't even gonna mention that one, but, uh, if you like First Blood, you might like Thunder Warrior <laughs> as well. And I believe that one actually came out before First Blood, so that's a bit of a weird rarity. Next up, I'd like to spotlight actually two of James Glickenhaus's films, because they, he does have, uh, he has directed two of my favorite action movies of all time, and the first one will be Blue Jean Cop, aka Shakedown. Awesome movie, and all I can say on that one is, uh, let's just say it, uh, Peter Weller and Sam Elliott are fighting crime on a motorcycle. And Sam Elliott takes down an airplane by hanging off of the landing gear and throwing a grenade in it. It's an amazing movie. It's just, it's so, it's what I want when I watch an action movie. And that's just proof that the action wasn't just the Stallones and the Chuck Norrises and, and the Steven Seagals and the Schwarzeneggers. Like, you got guys like, you got, you got somebody like Peter Weller who's like, yeah, he's known for action stuff. I mean, you know, he's done Robocop. He's not the action guy in this one, though. He's the, but he's, he's the not DA. the action guy. He's the DA guy, but he's still kind of a badass, too. Like, they, they portray both him and Sam Elliott really well, and they, 
the chemistry is fantastic. And the second, another James Glickenhaus movie, and this might be one of my favorite, um, I'd say vigilante films of all time would be The Exterminator. Starring Robert Ginty. This, this, to I, me, I thought you were, you know what? I, I honestly thought you were going to go McBain. <laughs> Chris, Christopher Walken and Michael Ironside? That one's, uh, it's, it's alright. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not really what I consider to be the quintessential vigilante movie. I, I consider Exterminator to be the blueprint of anybody going, going out to make a vigilante movie or like a Punisher adaptation or something like that. Watch the Exterminator, and you'll you should get some idea of the vibe that that should be portrayed here. The 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 mindset that the that the vigilante hero is going to do, and it's it's one of the the mindset that the vigilante hero has. No bullshit, no bullshit meter whatsoever. You fuck with him, and you're dead. And that's why I love the Exterminator. And see, I, I gotta go. I I know this might be old standby. Red Brown, man, Robo War and Strike Commando yes! are amazing. <laughs> I have to go Red Brown on this because those are just phenomenal. If I was going to go Glickenhaus, I, I agree with you, Exterminator. I got to go Red Brown, man. Red Brown made the, the best pointless action films I've ever seen. On this show, we, we want to expose you to, to other forms, other, other movies that you may have missed. And we also want you to inform us. I've gotten recommendations from people of movies maybe I've never heard of, and I've, I checked them out, and I'm like, you know what? That was pretty cool. Yeah, same so here. So this is a two-way street. So we're 300 episodes in now. I think Radiodrome has another 300 in it. We've got some interesting things coming up, a little bit of a hint. For Halloween, we'll be looking at the films of Rob Zombie. We've got a house retrospective coming up. I really want to do a Phantasm retro. I really want to do an Angel retrospective, especially because there's a fourth one mm. that nobody wanted in the Angel <laughs> series that we need to talk about. I want recommendations from you people, okay? Email us, contact us on Facebook, and let us know what you want to hear us talk about on the show. That said, where could they get a hold of Fred Fritz? Uh, the Movie Apocalypse page on Facebook. Where could they get a hold of Peter? Get a hold of me on Twitter at Cinematica. Get a hold of me on Facebook, The Cinematicus, YouTube, The Cinematicus, 1201beyond.com, and the Grindhouse channel if you want to want to read some articles. I got one actually coming out uh, for the beginning of October on uh, actually on Vigilante Films. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Also me, 1201beyond.com. Contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook under my real name, Josh Hadley. I'm also at the Grindhouse channel. I post articles there. I also am at Forces of Geek, and I write for Fangoria, Hustler, and I got a book coming out. And Man, it'd be nice if I could make a living doing this. <laughs> I'm all depressed. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.